Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester. Welcome to another installment of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. So glad you could join us. As regular listeners know, this is not your father's or grandfather's car show. We're focused on the everyday technology and consumer information that you need to know that will make you a better informed and by that a better, more aware consumer and motorist. Time with me each week is time well spent. I work hard to make sure that that's true each and every time we get together. For this hour, some consumer news that will result in some ranting from me and some warning for you. Later, I thought I would revisit two of the terms that you've heard and perhaps are hearing bantied about in the mainstream press, uh, that is connected vehicles and autonomous vehicles. And I know here we've talked a lot about both, but I thought it would be time to take a break, take a step back, and maybe explain what we mean, what those terms mean, so that you will have a better understanding of what we're talking about when we reference those terms. Now, the crew and I will take some time to explain exactly what those terms mean and, more importantly, why you should care. Those of you that wish to join in on the conversation, you're always welcome. Call or text me on the Roadworthy Driveline, that number, 872-222-9793. That's 872-222-9793. If emails your thing, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, we'll connect you to me and the show. Speaking of the show, allow me to introduce the other two members of the Roadworthy Drive crew in studio. At the controls, the man with the questions, the designated adult in the room, my good friend, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him, Roadworthy Drive executive producer, Jack. And holding it down at mic two, as always, our sweet, sassy, social media diva and gamer girl extraordinaire, Sasha. Howdy, my peoples. Hi, Ken. Howdy, How are Ken. You? I am okay. Okay. Uh-oh. I'm going to play you something. Okay, wait a minute. Was the suits involved? Uh, this is going to now define the suits, okay? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> nice. Nice. Enough of that. Okay. Um, Was that I, a disclaimer, sir? Pretty much. We're in trouble. Uh, well, when are we not in trouble? Um, apparently, apparently, I need to stop thinking outside the box. Uh, I didn't realize we had a box to think outside of. Yes, you mean did. the suits actually allowed us a box? Yes, Oh, my. And Sasha, did you know anything about that? To sit on instead of using a chair. Uh, yeah. Well, no, you know. actually, actually what it is, they thought we went a little too long last week on ranting about not being able to get outside and enjoy the weather. Uh-huh. There's repercussions. See, I told you. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> okay, Ken, let's talk about the parts bin this week. Well, let's talk about Toyota and Lexus connecting vehicles with infrastructure starting in just three years. In 2021. 20... 21. Okay. They plan to deploy something that's called dedicated short-range communication systems on their vehicles sold in the United States. Their goal is to create a safer and more efficient driving ecosystem while advancing connected and automated technology development. 
Now, this level of communication that you're talking about can be enabled to provide helpful real-time information to drivers, such as potential hazards, slow-stop vehicles ahead, or signals, signs, and road conditions that may be difficult to see. Now, we've talked about this before um, with vehicle infrastructure that Audi started in Las Vegas first, and they've expanded to six or seven other cities. Um, This dedicated short-range communication Uh, You'll know it by the letters DSRC, and you'll see those letters when they're talking about vehicle-to-vehicle communication as well, or vehicle-to-infrastructure, or uh, they'll also call it vehicle-to-everything, which is V2X. Okay. Um, Toyota and Lexus actually launched this in 2015 in Japan. They right now have over 100,000 vehicles on the road with this technology in Japan. Okay, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If we're going to do vehicle to infrastructure, vehicle to everything, mm-hmm. okay, are they going to be able to tell me on a display screen that there's road construction coming up? Because I know some of the the nav, the nav stuff does it now. Mm-hmm. So, that was interesting. I heard a noise. So did I. Oh, anyway, to answer your question, uh, even in our state, if you recall, that was their pilot test to use information and the infrastructure they have now to communicate both to drivers of what's going on ahead mm-hmm. and to hear from drivers who may be or vehicles that are in that situation, such as a, a breakdown or road construction or an accident. So this is really the first step. Um, it takes um, that and very detailed maps, which is another piece for another time. But yes, the answer is yes. And how are they going to to what are they going to communicate with? Are they going to communicate using cell towers, you know, Wi-Fi uh, of some kind? Well, understand that, and we'll talk about this a little later in the show, but most, uh, many of your cars now are Wi-Fi hotspots. Okay. Um, and I would believe even yours, maybe. I think you're right. Well, they're a hotspot with a subscription, but what Jack is specifically asking is, what network are they going to maintain? Like, let's say I don't pay my subscription. Mm-hmm. This connected car is still going to be talking to the infrastructure. Right. On what network is I that? I would say probably the default network that's there. Uh, just because it's Wi-Fi, you may not be subscribed to it, doesn't mean that it's not transmitting information. In fact, um, most of your new Nissans actually tell you that it, uh, that it transmits information. Now, you have the ability to turn it off. Right. And we'll talk about that a little later. And you can opt in, opt out. You can opt in, opt out. Right. Uh, But I believe that it's going to communicate at least across the Internet as opposed to across the cell phone towers being more uh, ability to be more secure um, and an ability to be for what they need it to be, to collect it, to bring it in the cloud, disperse it through the cloud. Well, and the one thing that still gets me with all of this technology as fast as it's swirling, and it is swirling. Mm-hmm. It is. Is I'm still worried about the security. And I, am, I am probably going to be on my deathbed still worrying about but security. You have, but in fairness, Jack, you have a point. Security is something that needs to be addressed. It's something that needs to continue to be at the forefront, not just security, but privacy issues. Yep. With all this information going back and forth, and we're being reassured that it's anonymous information that it's collecting, not about you specifically, but about the vehicle generally. And the infrastructure information. But what proof do we have? Yep. We don't. I mean, exactly. right now, we don't. You know, and we've seen this with other tech companies. You know, trust us. 
you know, we have your best interest at heart. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, Experian, um, Target. Uh, um, Facebook. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a conversation that needs to continue to be had. It's questions that we're going to need to continue to ask. And I don't think it is unreasonable to ask. The flip side of that, however, and we are all guilty of it, is when uh, particular tech providers say, we've updated our privacy policy, our security policy. And you can't go any farther before you accept it. Uh, or, or, Or you can read it. But let's be blunt. How many of us take the time to stop right there and read it or print it off or find a situation where I can go through it step by step to find out exactly what I'm agreeing to or what I'm giving up? I don't think most people read them. Exactly. So the problem that we have is even for the folks that are trying to do right, there's a certain responsibility as consumers that we have. Um, give you a perfect example. In a situation where a vehicle is uploading uh, real-time traffic information uh, based on where your vehicle is via Correct. GPS yeah. uh, or transmitting to you warnings of stuff ahead, an accident, a box in the middle of the road, uh, you know, um, animals or other other traffic hazards hazards yep um that's a good thing but if you opt out does that mean you don't get that information i don't know exactly and so these are these are questions that we need to ask and this is you know again and i blame myself too we all you know we talk about security we talk about privacy but we need to take the time at least once and for the for the tech companies or the apps or the um, other tech that we touch, feel, respond to that's collecting information about us, mm-hmm. then we need to take the time when they say, hey, this is what we do, take the time and read it. Okay. I got one more question. Okay. Are we at a point with all this technology swirling as fast as it is, do we need to be going to our Congress people to make sure that they're also on top of it too? Because I am a guy – I hate government regulations. We do. I just do. But you know what? But you know what? This is a piece we've got to have. Yes. There is there is good at times when there should be regulation. This is one of those times because then you know what standard people are being held to. You know by law what they can get and what they can't get. And then it becomes really easy. Next, consumers beware. <laughs> it's rant time. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Roadworthy Drive. Like us on Facebook. as any of us can remember, the performance leader of the American road has been Ford. And now, Ford proudly presents the most exciting Ford of a lifetime, the Starliner.
Starliner, a car for those who want the ultimate in performance. Available in the Starliner is the Thunderbird Special V8 engine. Here's all the reserve power you'll ever need for safe, sure passing, plus extra responsiveness that makes the Starliner more fun to drive than any car you've ever driven before. The front tread is a full five feet wide, the same as the Thunderbird, for better cornering, better roadability. Rear leaf springs are extra long for a more stable ride. Brakes are 25% bigger, the biggest in the low-price field. You can identify the Starliner by its racy new swept-back roof, trademark of the performance car of 1960. The Starliner. At your four dealers now. Roadability? Roadability. Roadability. Okay, first of all, there is a story behind this. Okay. My grandmother owned one of those. Really? When I was a little boy, um, probably about, the vehicle was about three years old. One of my earliest remembrances of automobiles. My dad was changing the fuel pump. My grandmother had a black 60 two-door Starliner. Mm-hmm. It came in two and four, correct? Uh, I don't know if it was a four-door. But I remember that two-door. And I remember the fuel pump. I couldn't have been more than three years old. Fuel pump had a glass bowl mm-hmm. and a lever. And Dad had pulled it because he was replacing the fuel pump. Okay. So, yeah, I was kind of having a nostalgic moment. Um, if you're wondering what you've found here, <laughs> um, this is Roadworthy Drive. Honest, it really is. And I'm Ken Chester, your host. Um, and we like to play vintage um, automotive advertising, usually at the beginning of our second segment. We think it adds a nice touch. And every now and then uh, we have a, an emotional attachment, as I do to both of these, and I'll talk about the next one in the next hour. Anyway, I'm going to start this segment off with a rant. Now, you might know, and I've mentioned it on air, I recently bought the missus a new vehicle back in January. Now, this past week, we got a postcard in the mail. Now, my wife bought a brand new, 2017 brand new, uh, small crossover. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Before you read it, mm-hmm. the following rant is Ken Chester's and Ken Chester's alone. It does not reply to the editorial position of Roadworthy Drive, me, or Sasha. Go on. It might represent mine. And it might represent Roadworthy Drive <laughs> since it's my show. Hey, it- I'm the executive producer. I'm the only one that counts. Go on. Oh, Wow. Wow. A little little control issue there, Jack. (laughs) Just wee bit. Um, Vehicle alert notice. Please respond within five days. Has my wife's name on it, expiration date. And in red, important information about your vehicle. Now, still on the postcard, your immediate attention is required. Gives a phone number. On the backside, in red, this is your final notice. Oh, my goodness, what could possibly be going on with her car? May I quote? Not a darn thing. This notice is to inform you that the factory warranty on your vehicle has expired. It mentions the vehicle or is about to expire. This is our final attempt to contact you. After this attempt, this offer will expire. Oh, my goodness, I need to get on the phone. No, you don't. Mm. Yeah, let's, let's break this down. And by the way. Yeah. I got the same card for my truck right after I bought it in January. 
number one, the warranty on this thing is years away from e- the factory warranty. Correct. Years away. Mm-hmm. The powertrain warranty, years away. She's not even she's not even in danger of breaking the mileage part of that warranty. Uh, she's had it what five months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she's got less than six thousand miles on it. You don't right. drive it that much. And I got fifty two on my truck. Yeah, right. Um, what kills me is that people who are older, perhaps, um, may react to this. Now we actually bought from the dealer extra warranty protection from the manufacturer. Correct. So this is like bogus times two. Well, it is, and you mentioned the elderly. Yeah, and I'm about to deal with that. Well, my father remarried, mm-hmm. and his wife bought a 2014 mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. Within six months of her getting it, she got the exact same postcard. Wow. But and, wait. And, and, she, and then they get a hold of me, and I look at it, and I'm going, this is a damn scam. Yeah. It is. I said, you bought the car. It was new. You had a warranty. You also bought the extended warranty. Mm-hmm. Throw that card away. But wait a minute. Here's the best part. In very small letters, um, it says who it is, and it's not your dealer or manufacturer. This is an offer for mechanical breakdown protection. Now, let me, let me, let me throw this at you. That is a parallel story that people need to be aware of. And the headline is... How criminals steal $37 billion a year from America's elderly. Now, they're not just talking about car scams like that, Mm -hmm. but a whole bunch of things. But I wanted to bring this to the attention because if you are of diminished capacity mentally a little bit, you might wonder, well, I thought I bought a warranty. I mean, you get into all that paperwork when you buy a vehicle, and they explain it to you. But if you're a little older, you might not realize that you did or you didn't. Well, and you might not remember that the paperwork's in the glove box. Mm -hmm. Well, not only that, but I mean, the way that they word it, they word it so that it's vital, it's important, you need to act now. Well, of course. But here's the part that bothers me in looking at this particular article, and I I believe I got this out of the New York Times. Financial exploitation is a used problem in the sense that it's so profoundly destructive to older folk. Now, the reason why they're able to do it is that very often victims have some level of cognitive impairment, which makes it really difficult for them to figure out the truth of what's going on. And this survey, what they're talking about, starts with people over 60. Um, My wife and I are in that category. Well, and and here's the other thing. What I don't ever remember a time back when my grandmother was alive, Mm -hmm. other than the fact that she was a little diminished capacity mm-hmm. um that she had she'd go to mom and dad all the time and go would you read this and see if you can explain this to me because i don't understand it mm-hmm. i mean it's gotten to the point that that the baby boomers are now happening to do the same thing for their parents yeah let me let me we're coming up on the break but let me read this financial judgment can start to falter before normal cognition does regardless of whether the person was savvy with money when they were younger. In other words, it can happen even when the person seems normal. Buyer beware, folks. There are many uh, coming up. Connected cars. Your car is talking to big data. This is Roadworthy Drive. Go to roadworthydrive.com to check out Ken's blog, listen to past shows, and the times when you can see the show on Facebook Live. 
Welcome to the second half of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host and automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. For those of you who want or need more than your fair share of the road, check out the show website. That's roadworthydrive.com. We have audio clips of past shows, video of our behind-the-scene antics, and so much more. The website's a great place to discover where we are in the world of social media. Sasha is our very own social media diva who keeps things light and lively during the week between shows. See what she finds in the world of automakers and automotive tech. For you folks that are truly mobile, Roadworthy Drive can also be found on Google Play. Yay, Google Play. What, what? Yeah, I'm saying. So that you will never have to be very far from me and the Roadworthy Drive crew. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and like us on Facebook. Connected vehicles. Now, at the top of the hour, uh, during our rummaging around in the parts bin, we kind of alluded to a subject with connected vehicles with Toyota and Lexus. Mm -hmm. But you might have wondered even then, okay, Ken, what are you talking about? Chances are, if you own a vehicle at seven years old or newer, it's a connected vehicle. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hate to be the one to tell you, it's talking to big data. All the time. And sometimes big data talks back to it. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's not always nefarious. Um, it's for your good occasionally. So let's just start with the basics uh, on what we mean by connected car. You know, connected to what, first of all? Well, Wi-Fi. Well, let's Infrastructure. Make it, let's make it a, well, not yet. Let's make it a little easier. Okay. A connected car is a car that is equipped with Internet access, usually also with a wireless local area network. It allows the car to share Internet access with other devices both inside as well as outside the vehicle. Often the car is outfitted with special technologies that tap into the Internet or wireless uh, LAN and provide additional benefits to the driver. Now, it's for safety-critical applications. It's anticipated that cars will also be connected to, wait for it, dedicated short-range communication radios. Does that sound familiar? Toyota and Lexus. We talked about a top hour. Yep. Operating in the FCC-granted 5.9 gigahertz band with very low latency, meaning it's easy to get contact. You asked the question. We just answered it. Yep. Okay. That they're going to use this dedicated short-range communication system, and it's going to operate in that particular uh, 5.9 gigahertz band. So in other words, even if you don't subscribe to the other services, even if you don't have Internet turned on, even if you don't have Wi-Fi in your vehicle. It's still going to take car data and send it. And probably also provide it. Uh, the key is safety critical applications. Traffic, accidents, road construction, other uh, traffic hazards. And this is the same thing that they're going to use to do the updates to your car over the year. Mm, it could be, I believe, but that it literally gets automaker by automaker. Okay. In terms of how they're going to do that. Um, the difference, folks, is that while autonomous cars are coming, you're driving a connected car right now. If it's seven years or newer, you are driving a connected car right now, this moment. And in fact, in a number of cars, when you start them up, you may see, in fact, a notice from the automaker saying this car transmits data. This is the kind of data transmits. If you're okay, hit okay. If you don't want it to, hit decline. Unfortunately, if you do that, you may also be turning off getting the safety information. So what you're saying is you have 
they're making you hit okay. Um, they're making it difficult for you not to hit okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, there are basically five different ways a vehicle be, can be connected. Vehicle to infrastructure, we talked about that, otherwise known as V to I. That'd be like traffic lights, signage, things like that. And we talked about Audi, which would be a good example. Uh, vehicle to vehicle. This is something that the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is getting ready to issue guidelines to require vehicle-to-vehicle uh, information to be passed between vehicles, again, from a safety standpoint. Think of an intersection where all the vehicles know, relative to the intersection, if the light's red or green, how, many, how much traffic is coming to it, and may slow or speed the vehicles up to maintain traffic uh, continuity and, and pass-through. Traffic flow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's one for you. Vehicle to cloud. We ain't talked about that one. I'm going to assume this has to do something with computers, not that the vehicle's going to the cloud. No, not, <laughs> li- not, not literally. Uh, the technology exchanges information about and for applications of the vehicle with a cloud system. This allows the vehicle to use information from other through the cloud, connected industries like energy, transportation, smart homes, and make use of Internet of Things. In other words, Alexa, hello, and the and Google's got one. I forget what Google calls theirs. I could go on a rant about Alexa, but I won't. What? You, I could also. I, well, I don't want Alexa listening to every conversation okay. I'm having at home. Okay, first of all. You know, I don't know what the, where this hate is coming from for the lady. Mm. You know, I, just I feel a lot of animosity towards Alexa mm. right in here. So, but so we'll, we'll we'll save that for another time. How's will that? We? Yeah, we will. Here's one for you, Jack. Number four, vehicle to pedestrian. They got you're going to connect the vehicle to somebody's cell phone. The mm-hmm. technology senses information about its environment and communicates it to other vehicles, infrastructure, and you're right, Jack. Personal mobile devices. This enables the vehicle to communicate with pedestrians and is intended to improve safety and mobility on the road. I don't see that working in New York City. Um, I've been in New York City, and like I tell you, chances are better you're going to get hit by a bicycle. Right. And I wish I was being snarky. Now, I'm really now not. where is the bike to personal device? Right. Technology? Yeah, really. Because you've got sidewalk, bike, bike lane, lane, parking. Traffic. And if you're not paying attention, you drop off that sidewalk, you're going to tangle with a bike. And they're moving. They, they, it's, not a, it's not a ride through the park. They're on a mission. And they be rolling. Manhattan. Um, number five, and we talked about this, V to X, vehicle to everything. Yep. This technology interconnects all types of vehicles and infrastructure systems with another. This connectivity includes cars, highways, <laughs> ships, trains, and airplanes. <laughs> hey. Vehicle to everything. Okay. Everything. Vehicle to everything. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, oh my. my. Yeah. Okay. We can go into eight further categories, and I'm just going to read them really quick, um, where the connected car segment can be further classified. Mobility management, commerce, vehicle management, breakdown prevention, safety, entertainment, driver assistance, and the one that's a little bit prickly, and I told you this was coming, well-being. This one I'm going to read. Functions involving the driver's comfort and ability and fitness to drive, i.e. fatigue detection, 
automatic environmental adjustments to keep driver alert, medical assistance. Mercedes does that now. It reads your eyes. If it feels that you're fatigued, you'll get a little coffee cup. Time to pull over, question mark? This happened in real time, people. Connected cars. That is what we mean by the, the vehicle that you currently drive. Finally, autonomous cars. What they are and what they're not yet. You're riding shotgun with Ken and Rotary Drive. RoadworthyDrive.com is the place to keep up with the latest happenings with Ken and the show. I'm telling you, when you don't get a chance to watch the behind the scenes that we put out on a YouTube channel, you miss a lot. Uh, if you're just turning in, this is the last part of the hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, otherwise known as The Talent. Thank you very much. Here we go. Yeah, betcha. <laughs> During this hour, we have warned you of consumer scams and treachery regarding extended warranties, explain what is meant by a connected car, and now we're going to discuss what an autonomous car really is and what it isn't yet. It is autopilot. No. It is autopilot. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, is, it is totally autopilot. We are, all, it, we are all laughing because we we understand this, but we need to explain it to you guys. Because there's a lot of terms out there, Ken, that is being bantied around right now that's doing a lot of confusing to a lot of people. Like ProPilot? Yes. And SuperCruise? Yep. And Autopilot? Yep. Now, I like the term. Now, granted... Because and, I, and I wait hear, a minute, traffic jam assist, my personal favorite. That's I like that one too. I like because I I'm weird that I interpret words for their actual meaning. So right. So when you say something like autopilot, I'm expecting the darn thing to drive itself. I assume that it's similar to autopilot in a plane. Yep, that's now, called marketing. Whoops. Right now, say that I, Sasha, say that again. I'm assuming. That it will be like autopilot in a plane. <laughs> right. Yeah. But so when you're talking about this kind of technology where it's not quite, it's not autonomous, we're not even approaching autonomous, but it is able to communicate and sense other vehicles around it. Okay. Are we, are I, we anywhere near semi-autonomous? Yet? Okay. Let's talk about this. Okay. Autopilot, Tesla, Super Cruise, Cadillac. Which I love Pilot, that name. Nissan. Uh, traffic Jam Assist, yep. Audi. These are all semi-autonomous cars. They do not, they are not fully autonomous, which means you can sit back, the car does everything. Let's explain what an autonomous car is. Let me read it to you. Also known as a driverless car, self-driving car. I've never heard this term, robotic car, but I guess that's for the I guess that lane. makes sense is an unmanned ground vehicle capable of sensing its environment and navigating without human input. Without human input. No steering wheel, no pedals. Right. No human input. Now, there's so much we can talk about. We're not going to have time to get to everything I want to talk about. But let me get to the thing that's most important. When we talk about 
no autonomy, semi-autonomous, highly automated vehicles. You may have heard that term, as well as fully automated vehicles. There is a group called the Society of Automotive Engineers. They actually set all the standards for a multitude of things that happen in the auto industry. What they have is SAE, which is their abbreviation, J3016. That standard sets the standards and the definitions for different levels of autonomy. Now, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, in their guidelines, adopted that standard. So everybody's talking the same language now. So yeah. now, we, now we still go from zero to four, right? We still go to, well, actually, we go from zero, zero to, five. to five. Yeah. Zero to five, okay. Okay. Zero, SAE level zero, no automation. Well, zero, one, and two, human driver monitors the driving environment. Zero, no automation. That's what we're going with now. And although I would argue about cruise control, right. this and that's not a thing. Okay. Um, level one is drive assistance. Now, understand, human driver is still monitoring the driving environment, but the driving mode specific execution by the driver assistance system is either steering or acceleration deceleration. An example of that could be like um, adaptive cruise control. Now, what would they call the, uh, the, and I'm not sure if this is still a thing, the parallel parking button? We're going to get to that. What? That would be partial okay. or conditional automation. Now, SE Level 2, the driving mode specific execution by one or more driver assistance systems of both steering and acceleration deceleration. Using information about the driving environment with the expectation that the human driver performs all the remaining aspects of the dramatic, dynamic driving task. Okay. What would they call the uh, automatically dimming headlights? That's not even considered. That's a, they don't no. even consider that? Okay. Not, not for this thing. Okay. Um, now, on 3 through 5, SAE standards 3 through 5, automated system monitors the driving environment. And three is called conditional automation, which would also be known as a highly automated vehicle. Um, the, drive, the driving mode specific performance by an automated driving system of all aspects of the dynamic driving tax, with the exception that the human driver will respond appropriately to a request to intervene. That would be what uh, Uber's doing, Waymo's doing, and uh, what, uh, see, there's one more. And what the the bus one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's throw out some terms here. Mm -hmm. You tell me if this fits in the category number three. Mm -hmm. Lane change mitigation, blind spot mitigation, um, front front control crash protection. Otherwise known as automatic emergency braking. Right. Uh, Also known as part of a package that uh, Subaru has called eyesight. Yeah. Okay. These are known as... That would fall as. in the category three. Well, these are known uh, in the industry very good as assisted, let's see, if I, it's ADAS, which I believe is assisted driver. Uh, I need to find it so I get that right. And see, that's a very good question because you're talking about systems or and uh, technology that allows the car to interpret its environment. Well, and- let, let, me, let, me, let me answer your question. Now, the level one. Mm-hmm. Where the driver's still in control? Mm-hmm. Examples. Adaptive cruise control, lane keeping assist, um, okay. and parking assistance. Level two, uh, an example, uh, 
the contact between hand and wheel is often mandatory during uh, SAE2 driving to confirm the driver is ready to intervene. Um, level 1, hands off. Level 2, hands off. I'm sorry. Level 1, hands on. Level 2, hands off. Level 3, eyes off. The driver can safely turn their attention away from driving tasks, can text or watch a movie, vehicle handle situations that call for an immediate response like emergency braking. Drivers still must be prepared to intervene at some limited time, specified by the manufacturer when called on by the vehicle to do so. Um, the 2018 Audi A8 luxury sedan was the first commercial car to, became, to, be, to claim to be capable of level 3 driving. They talked about jam, traffic jam pilot. When activated by the human driver, car takes full control and only works on highways with a physical barrier, so at slow speeds. So there it is, and as usual, we're out of time again. On behalf of me and the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.